This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jonathan Mayle from MLBPipeline.com. Both Tim McMaster and Jim Callis are on vacation, although not together. That would be a good time, I'm sure. Uh, they should be back next week. I will be joined by Pipeliner Mike Rosenbaum in just a little bit. We'll be talking all things Arizona Fall League, maybe touch on some September call-ups. Uh, the Fall League rosters were just recently announced, but before we bring Mike in, I had the chance to talk to top Pirates pitching prospect Mitch Keller about going to the AFL and his 2017 season. Let's take a listen. Pleased to be joined by Mitch Keller, top pitching prospect of the Pittsburgh Pirates, now in double a with the altoona curve and as it was recently announced headed to the arizona fall league and uh mitch most of our podcast today is going to be talking about uh the fall league roster so why don't we start there um what did it mean to you that the pirates wanted you to to go out there and continue to work on things especially uh, knowing what i'm sure you do about uh the success of guys who go to the fall league and then go up to the big leagues um, it's just a huge honor that they uh, that they think of me that way, and they want me to go compete against the best guys in the league and the top prospects run MLB. So it's just a huge honor. Now, is there anything in particular that you think uh, you're going to be working on there? Is it just because you you know you missed some time this year, you know, over the last couple of years, really? Uh, you know, is it a chance to kind of make up for some development time? What you know, what's what's kind of your your mindset uh, when you head out there? definitely miss some time here this season a little bit but uh i think it's just going to be um refining all my pitches and being able to use them and against better hitters and just learning myself more so i think that's the biggest thing you know it's funny because despite the fact that you you missed some time and you you know you have missed some time uh never for any like huge length of time over the last couple of years but uh, nevertheless you still made it to double a at age 21, now was that? Uh, I would imagine that was a goal you had set for yourself this year. Uh, when you did get hurt, I mean, were you nervous at all that you might not be able to achieve it just because you had uh, not gotten enough innings in Bradenton? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's in my back of my mind that you know maybe my goal wasn't going to be reached just because of the injury. But once I did come back from that, I knew I had a chance, and I just had to keep doing my thing out there. And has it been that same kind of mindset? Like once you got to Altoona, just keep doing your thing. Uh, Cause I know, you know, a lot of times guys can, you move up that level and you know, you can almost have too much respect for, for the hitters uh, because you know, it's a higher level, especially that jump from a ball to, to double a, have you had to kind of check yourself and realize, okay, same game, same stuff, you know, hopefully will lead to the same results. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the first start out is kind of nerve wracking, but uh, once I got the, first inning out of the way it's kind of like oh this is the same game they're just just better hitters out there and better players that i'm facing now you're gonna have a chance uh you know speaking of making up you know some some extra innings uh altoona is headed to the eastern league playoffs 
you, you know, you've experienced that before, you know, moving up a level and then, and then pitching in the playoffs, right? You pitched for Bradenton in the postseason last year. Do, do I remember yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah. So what, what is that experience like? Um, obviously, Florida State League, attendance-wise, it's not so exciting. And in the Eastern League, for the playoffs, you'll probably have more people. But just in terms of the stakes, you know, it's always so much about development for you guys. It, it's easier to forget about the, oh, yeah, we want to win games. But come playoff time, it, it kind of uh, raises the spotlight a little bit in that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does for sure. I mean, all eyes are on you, and it's it's uh, it's a really fun time just to go out and compete. I mean, it's that's developing too, just learning how to take that pressure of playoffs and learning how to play with that, and um, I think that ultimately gets us ready for the big leagues. You have that you know experience from last year in your in your back pocket too, where you you did sort of deal with that pressure really well. So come this time around, I would imagine you can kind of rely on that. Uh, you know, sort of muscle memory, so to speak, to, yeah. to to handle this year. Yeah, for sure. I'm just doing it from last year and having the opportunity this year again. I think that'll help out a lot. Now, Mitch, your your older brother John, uh, you know, is also a, a professional. Uh, you know, doing the 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 same thing. I know he's uh, banged up right now, uh, pitching out of the bullpen in the in the Orioles system. How often do you guys? talk to each other and how often are those conversations about baseball um we talk we talk quite a bit during the week uh, i'd say probably almost every day and try not to talk too much about baseball because i mean baseball can be kind of hectic and stressful at times yeah but we talk about baseball too i mean it's mostly about iowa football games or what we're doing <laughs> in the off season or whatever <laughs> Yeah, I mean, people don't know you, you guys uh, are from Iowa, which you know uh, people probably don't think of as a as a baseball hotbed. Uh, yeah. how, how much of a learning curve was that for you, like when first entering pro ball, uh, coming from a place like Iowa? You know, we talk a lot about the guys in like the Northeast, uh, you know, having that sort of struggle. You know, you don't get to play as much as. Uh, you know, your your teammates who are from Southern California or Florida did when they were amateurs. Yeah, um, it's definitely it's it's definitely weird. It was weird going from high school baseball in Iowa to professional baseball. Um, just the caliber of players and the um, just just the game itself is a lot faster and more competitive. And I think that um, the guys from down south just have a little bit of an edge over us from the north because uh, just they get to play a lot more and they've had more experience playing the game. Well, you've, you've closed the gap nicely. As I said, double A at age 21. Congrats on a, on a terrific season. Hope you finish it off strong. And I, I look forward to, to seeing you in person uh, out in Arizona this fall. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it a lot. Good stuff from Keller there. Before I welcome Mike Rosenbaum in for his pinch hitting appearance this week, I want to take a second to tell you about the StatCast podcast, a show dedicated to the analytics that drive front office decisions in the modern game. It's hosted by Mike Petriello and Matt Myers, and last week they broke down where Josh Harrison's home run to break up Rich Hill's no-hitter ranked among the most unlikely homers this season. If you want to hear about all that and more, you can download the show from Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcast by searching for StatCast Podcast or by going to www.statcastpodcast.com. Okay, now uh, now we can bring in Mike Rosenbaum. He's been in the on-deck circle waiting patiently. Mike, thank you for, for filling in for Jim Wally Pip Callis this week. What can I say? I'm the only one not on vacation. 
<laughs> you, you, and, you and me both, and I've got a bat mitzvah coming up this week, and I don't know how I ended up on podcast hosting duty, but we'll we'll muddle through somehow. Uh, you know, this week in in our world, uh, kind of an, an exciting time uh, with the Arizona Fall League, at least the preliminary rosters uh, being uh, announced uh, for people to to take a look at. Uh, before we talk about specific players, uh, Mike, I know you and I, and pretty much everybody who who does what we do. Uh, just absolutely loves the the fall league. Uh, I got to to wax eloquent a little bit on uh, MLB Network uh, the other day uh, about it, but I want to give you the opportunity just to talk a little bit about how much you love going out there and 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 what the fall league means to you. Yeah, I, I think you you nailed it there by saying it's just a special special time of the year for baseball fans, especially those in, in our field. It's six teams comprised of. Strictly prospects, you know, you'll have a couple big leaguers mixed in there, young big leaguers who, who qualify, but, but it's strictly prospects and, and lots of good ones. And beyond the actual game competition, which is very relaxed compared to regular season, um, you know, it, it's all about player development rather than winning. Not to say that that doesn't play a, a part in this and team's objectives, but it's all about player development. So if you get there early, you'll see every player on every team taking batting practice. You'll see guys take infield and outfield and in that you'll see players working at different positions getting some extra work in it uh you know work, working to increase their defensive versatility whether it's infielders in the outfield or outfielder at first base you know a catcher uh, is a kind of a foreshadow here a catcher maybe getting some work on the infield and it's it's it, it, it doesn't beat it it's the perfect time of the year um you know breaks up the end of the regular season and you know bridges into spring training in the best possible way I always think that it is a missed opportunity for fans who like to travel for baseball. You know, everyone talks about spring training and spring training is great, but it's also a zoo. Uh, right. You know, this is a chance to uh, go. Yeah. You're not seeing uh, Mike Trout or Bryce Harper, although you could have had you gone to the fall league, uh, but just the access, uh, you know, and the ability to, to get in wherever you want to go, uh, I highly recommend it as a fall getaway pretty much anytime anybody asks. So let's get to your foreshadowing. Cause I think what we should do is let's go through each of the six fall league rosters and pick out a guy uh, that we're really looking forward to, to seeing. And it doesn't have to be a guy on, on the top 100, although, though it can be. So let's start with Glendale where the top 100 guys are, are uh, Mitch Keller, uh, who we just heard from Usniel Diaz and Francisco Mejia, uh, who you sort of uh, teased uh, talking about guys getting a chance to play uh, other spots. Is that the guy that you're interested most in seeing? Yeah, and it's because Mejia, as, as many um, as, our, as our, of our listeners know, he, he's a catcher. He's played all but one of his games in his minor league career um, at catcher. But in the fall league, he'll be he's listed as an infield. He'll be playing third base, which you know, it is fascinating, first of all, just because the bat is so impressive that the thought of him, the thought of freeing up that bat and potentially getting him to the big leagues faster is very exciting for, uh, I'm sure, for Indian fans and also just for, for prospect fans as well. Yeah, it, it is interesting in that, you know, it, we could spiral into a whole different conversation about what this means for the Indians' big league roster um, in, in the future, but they will have some decisions right. to make with Jose Ramirez and Jason Kipnis. Uh, you know, returns to health. Uh, they've got catching locked up. So I, I think that, you know, next year you're going to see Mejia and maybe he moves around a bit 
you know, third catches a little, maybe DH is some. The fact that he's a switch hitter certainly uh, helps. Uh, they think his bat is just about ready. So, you know, they're going to have to figure out a way for him to play every day, I would think, for him to be in Cleveland. And this may be a way for him to do that. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see. I'm, uh, you know, th- this is the Pirates team, and I, you know, I'm often accused of being a homer, and I'm, I'm good with that. Um, you know, Cole Tucker is a guy that uh, I'm very excited to to see kind of a surprise first rounder from yep. uh, a little while ago. He's gotten so much bigger and stronger without losing any speed. Um, he's up in double A now. He's been banged up some, so he's making up for lost time. So, uh, you know, the last time I saw him at all, he was kind of a string bean. Uh, and then I saw him this spring training and I almost didn't recognize him. Uh, so I'm excited to see him play at, on this stage in his own backyard, he's from Arizona, so he'll be playing home games wherever he is. So uh, that'll be that'll be fun for him to see. Continuing on your on your Pirates thought here, I'm going to add uh, left big left hander, six five left hander Taylor Hearn to the mix too. Yeah, really really good stuff. Um, big fastball, mid upper nineties fastball has piled up strikeouts this year, and for uh, Bradenton, and I'm I'm curious to see what his secondaries look like in in the AFL. Yeah, and he's missed some time as well, so that's what uh, he'll be working on, I'm sure. Um, all right, moving on to Mesa. The top 100 guys are Victor Robles and Kyle Tucker. Uh, makes up a outfield. fairly ridiculous two-thirds uh, of, uh, <laughs> of an outfield. Um, you, can, you can take your pick, Mike. Who would you like to uh, talk about there? I'd like to talk about Kyle Tucker just because I've, I've seen Robles in the past before, but this, I figure, will be my first extended look at, at, at Tucker. Mm-hmm. You know, another 20-year-old in AA kind of be, seems to be a theme among some of these outfielders in this year's Fall League. He's really upticked in the power department this year, which really wasn't a question of if it would happen. It was more of a matter of when. And it's come on quickly this year in high A and now in AA. He's continued to hit for average, runs the bases well. Um, you know, he's, he's a, one of uh, you know single-digit number of 2020 guys this year in the minor leagues. And, and this is basically priming him the jump to Houston at some point in 2018. Yeah, I mean, this was a guy who was untradeable, and you can sort of see why. Right. Um, did you see the video uh, of the – they were down to the last strike, and he had a go-ahead home, three-run homer um, a couple nights ago. And it was – he had a pitcher's pitch. It was like at his ankles, and he golfed it out. Um, he that. You'll see him hit balls, catch them on the outer half, and you're like, okay, that's probably a – you know, maybe a line drive and left center field gap, and it's it's clear in the wall with ease. It's it's just a very unique bat pass that allows him to drive the ball. Um, you, you know, even on pitchers' pitches. Yeah, he and he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it pretty, as they say. You would not do right, a how-to no, video. Sure. Um, I've always liked not that he's the same player, but the sort of Hunter Pence kind of comp, where you're like, why does this work? Oh, but it does. So you don't, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, uh, and he's not a burner yet. He's been stealing a ton of bases, um, so all that's good. Now, we shouldn't give Victor Robles short shrift just because we've seen him and we've talked about him a lot. He is the highest-ranked prospect uh, as of now. And keep in mind, the rosters are going to change. Uh, they're not complete. Things will change. Um, you know, Francisco Mejia uh, is going to get a September call-up. Let's say for whatever reason there's an injury and he ends up on the uh, Indians postseason roster. He's not going to make it out to Arizona in all likelihood, or at least will be late. So things can change a lot. But I mean, Victor Robles is, you know, as tooled up uh, as, as they come, uh, the speed has been there. You know, it's been interesting to see, uh, you know, they always say power is kind of the last thing Mike to, to come and it's starting to come. I, last I looked, he had like 35 doubles. Uh, those are going to start to turn into to homers as another 
young guy who is who has reached double A. Uh, but it's going to be fun to to watch him. We saw a lot of these guys in the futures game, but that's like one look for a couple of at bats, kind of crazy setting. To see him day in and day out in Arizona is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't think I need to say anything more than that. You 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 nailed it right there. It's going to be a lot of fun watching watching these two in the same outfield. Yeah. Uh, speaking of guys, will be fun to be in the outfield. Let's move on to Peoria, shall we? Sure. Um, yep. Because there's Luis Urias from Padres, nice player. Kyle Lewis, the the 2016 draftee, is coming back from that uh, that knee injury uh, with the Mariners, and then there is Ronald Acuna, who um, is about as exciting as any prospect. And I probably get more tweets about him than any single player. Uh, he's in our top ten and. And yet people think he's underranked, and you know what? He probably is. I mean, he's 19, he's in AAA, and he's raking in, in AAA. Um, does he – I mean, what else does this guy need to do in the minor leagues at this point? I, I really don't know, and it's kind of been a, a conversation I've had with myself working on some articles in the, in the past couple of days and conversations with you as well. Is, do the Braves call him up in, in September? Because he has nothing left to, left to prove in the minors. It's just a matter of – you know whether they want to give him the exposure this early, whether it fits their timeline. But right. oh man, does he have some? Does he have, does he have some tools? It's uh, it's bet- between him and Robles. I mean, you you, could, you can't go wrong with with who, whom you prefer. Right. No. No. I I, I agree. I think may, maybe the surprising thing is that the power for Cunha has already shown up. I mean, he's twenty all, forty this year. Too, you know. Yeah. Twenty homers, forty steals, uh, ridiculous arm that he did show off in the Futures game. Um, you know, it is uh, it, it, it is all there. Too. I think the I think the only thing that would keep him from getting called up, you know, is one he's had a great season and he's so young, and then having to put him on the forty man roster. You know, they'd right. have to make that move. So I don't know. I don't know. But we get to see him in Arizona, so it's it's a win for us either way. Um, anybody else on that Peoria roster that you're you're interested in seeing? Michael Chavis, um, big big year from the Red Sox. Uh, you know, second best third baseman after Rafael Devers. He's he's really coming to his own this year. Um, he's up up in Double A now. A lot of power, hidden for average. Uh, curious to see how the defense checks out. That's the one thing I haven't really gotten a, a good look at firsthand with Chavis. But um, you know, offensively, it's an impressive package and, and one who could be making an impact potentially ahead of schedule. Yeah, I know. I think, and uh, he is a guy who, as we record this, is not uh, on our top 100, but uh, probably sure. will be in the near future, unless he's already, you know, bounced on there. I haven't actually, I haven't looked today. So, um, I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give some love to Tukey. Uh, I've always been a Tukey Toussaint fan since he was in high school, struggled, uh, both initially with the Diamondbacks and then, uh, when he came over, uh, well, actually last year he was pitching pretty well this year. He had struggled. Interestingly enough, they challenged him with the move, uh, to, to double a, and he has been terrific. Command is still a problem. Um, and actually, even the Florida State League, you know, the ERA was high, uh, as was the walk rate, but he continues to miss a, a ton of bats. Um, I think the jury is still out whether or not he is a starter or a reliever. Um, I think he's shown enough where they will continue to let him start. Uh, but the fastball breaking ball combination is nasty enough, and I think it's going to be fun to see him uh, compete at this level. Also on that team, pretty interesting catching tandem in Max Pentecost and, and Alex Jackson, Tukey's double-A catcher. Um, 
kind of resurgent guys. Pentecost has been injured, and Jackson's kind of taken a circuitous route from you know, a high school catcher to number uh, first-round draft pick as an outfielder back to catching now with the Braves. So I'm kind of curious to see how both the, both of those guys look behind the plate. No, no, me too. It should, that should, should be uh, interesting. And then, you know, catchers get a lot of good work uh, in the fall. Last year, Zach Collins was taxi squad, and he didn't even catch in, in the game, I don't think. But the bullpens that he caught were, were you know, vastly important for his development. All right, let's move on to Salt River. Corey Ray is the lone top 100 player, the Brewers' first rounder from a year ago. Um, so let's go sort of off the board here. Uh, who is the, of the – non-top 100 guys, who do you want to see the most? Ryan Mountcastle, the Orioles' number three prospect. Spent most of his career at shortstop, uh, but he's moved over to third base now in double-A at age 20. And he's got a he's, he's got an impactful bat. Hits for average. He's, he's hit for power out of the chute since, since going to the Orioles in the first round two years ago. In previous looks, I've never been impressed with his arm strength at shortstop. Curious to see how that translates at third base, um, where you know there's an equal emphasis on, on having a strong arm, but the bat is legit. It, it's it could get him to the big leagues. It, you know, potentially as an, a left fielder, a first baseman, if the left side of the infield doesn't work out. But he, he's passed every test as a hitter, and there were questions about how his bat would translate coming out of the draft. But no doubt that he's a, a potential middle of the middle of the order hitter. I'm going to talk about a guy who also there were questions about uh, about the bat coming out of the draft when he was uh, the Brewers picking the competitive balance uh, A round I think I overall. With this. Yeah, Jake Gatewood. <laughs> Um, who understandably kind of struggled initially, and then he seems to be sort of figuring things out. Um, you know, 154 strikeouts in 128 games is a lot, but he's also walked 47 times. That's an improvement. Um, you know, he still has a ways to go, but he's going to have to hit because he's now a first baseman, which it's funny. Like, I don't think anyone thought he was going to play shortstop. Um, right, which is what he played out of high school. I thought third, or really, I thought maybe right field. You know, he's not a terrible athlete, and he's got a really good arm. Um, so first base almost seems kind of like a waste. But I wonder if they just wanted to let him focus on focus on, on his hitting. bat and not worry too much about the about the defense. Um, uh, I, I could I, I could see that. Um, but he's made it to Double A at age 21, and for a guy who I think if someone had said that he was going to spend, you know two or three years in a, you know, in a complex league or three years before reaching full season ball would have believed it. So he, he's actually kind of ahead of the curve. I mean, you think about it, if he's, he, he turns 22 at the end of September, he's like a college junior um, and he's in double a. So uh, again, seeing, you know, he just made it to double a, so he's going to be facing more of the same kind of pitching in the fall league. Uh, seeing how he adjusts and, and, and how he swings the bat and how much he can make contact uh, should be a, an interesting storyline. An interesting note on him is, well, the, the Brewers can't say enough about how important it's been to his development this year that during the offseason he either had his vision uh, glasses prescription Im- improved or uh, adjusted appropriately or he was fitted for the first time for uh, contact lenses. And they think that th- those vision improvements have done wonders for him this year. Wait, so what you're saying is there, there's a direct correlation between seeing and hitting? You know, allegedly. I don't, I don't know if there's any science behind that. But why, don't you look into, why don't you look into that? We'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll report on that back maybe next podcast. Um, let's get to these 
uh, last couple of, of rosters before we're, we're out of time here. Uh, Scottsdale, the, the Scorpions, uh, some interesting guys, a pair of Yankees uh, in the top top 100, Esteban Florial, the outfielder, and lefty uh, Justice Sheffield. Um, I'll let you take your pick uh, uh, if you want to pick one of those guys or, or there's someone else who interests you more. I'll go with Florial almost by default, you know, since we've been talking about uh, young, tooled-up outfielders so much already. Uh, you know, he's just another one to add to the list. He, he's hit his way and performed his way into the top 100, and it's all around tools, power, speed, um, you know, outstanding defense, and he, he's only 19. So I'm excited to get my first first look at him. How about you? Yeah, and no, I mean, he's a good one, too. He's one of those guys that I could see a couple of years from now. We're talking about him like we're talking about Robles and Acuna. Um of course, we said that a year ago, but Acuna, you know, Acuna did it all in one season. It may take Florial a little bit longer. Um, but, I, you know, I think the thing that kind of is interesting to me, and I'm not going to talk about Sheffield, although uh, I'm a huge Justice Sheffield fan. We actually had sound from him last week uh, as uh, producer Danny Wexman was, was down in, in uh, Harrisburg and, and talked to him as he's coming back from injury. Great to talk to, good lefty, is the fact that there are angels who are interesting. Um, I do the angels top 30 list and it, it can be, it's been rough, but it, it, it's getting better. Um, and Matt Dice and Taylor Ward will be there. I'm still not a hundred percent sure about either one of them, but you know, Dice has hit, you know, maybe without power, but he's hit, uh, Taylor Ward has reached a, an advanced level as well. Uh, so you know, two first rounders that uh, for different reasons were kind of, maybe, maybe they were head scratchers for, for some, they were for me, uh, but to see them in the fall league, I, I think it's actually kind of a sign that ever so slowly the Angels system is turning around a little bit. I, I wouldn't go nuts about them, but they it looks like they're starting to produce some interesting talent. Which of the two are you mo- most excited to see? I think Ward. I mean, Sice is just kind of like, you know, he's a hitter. He plays first. He doesn't have power. Now, if the it would be interesting to see if the power starts to show up in the fall league, which is generally a hitter's league, but I want to see Ward behind the plate as well. Uh, you know, so those are the two, neither one of them are these like, Whoa, you know, like Florial is, uh, you know, or the outfielders we talked about before, but yeah, I I think Ward would be the guy. Just, I want to see him handle, you know, the high level of pitching and how he, how he does with that. All right, let's, uh, let's uh, hit the, uh, the surprise squad here. As of right now, there are no top 100 players, uh, which means we should pencil them in for the AFL championship. Uh, I always feel like whenever you handicap these things based on who's in there, that, that's kind of how it, how it works out. But uh, that doesn't mean that there aren't interesting guys uh, on, on this roster. Who stands out for you? I'm going to go a little bit off the board here um, and go with Brandon Lowe, a second man in the Ray system, currently number mm-hmm. 18 on their list, a list that I do. He was a bat for second baseman in the 2015 draft, a third rounder, struggled early, but really come on strong this year. Um, left-handed bat. Offensive first profile at second base, raked in the Florida State League. He's in double A right now at, at 23. Um, you know, I'm intrigued to see what, what he offers defensively because I've heard very good things about his bat. I'm just trying to get an idea of what the entire package is like. But um, he's a guy specifically I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, no, there are some interesting guys, uh, some interesting arms. I think because uh, I do the Cardinals list, and uh, so I'm going to go with Sandy Alcantara who, you know, was kind of had like a big up arrow next to his name a year ago. 
um, just because of the the arm strength. He's got plenty of it. Yeah, yeah, plenty of arm strength and a really good changeup. Uh, the breaking ball was sort of a work in progress, as was the command. And it's funny, like he hasn't had a bad year. In you know, they they moved him up to to Double A, uh, and he's you know, twenty one still. He'll be twenty two by the time the fall league starts. Um, there were some very good things. You know, he he didn't miss a ton of bats, and and he was a little more hittable than you think he would be, given uh, you know his size and his stuff. He's six four, and he's you know up up to the upper nineties. Uh, you know, touching triple digits at times. Um, you know, so. I think working on his command will be important. Otherwise, you know, this is a guy that I don't know if eventually he's a reliever. It's way to me, way too early to to do that. But being able to go to the the fall league and you know pitch in shorter stints and go right after hitters, I think uh, that could be a lot of uh, fun. You know, we, we have to be honest. Uh, we do enjoy uh, all of the uh, radar gun readings. So uh, let's see if he can if he has enough left in the tank at the end of a long season where he's throwing 125 innings. Uh, to, to hit some triple digits uh, should be fun to see. And just just to point out, he's made his last three appearances in Double A out of the bullpen. I don't know yep. if that's a, a precursor for what for what's to come, either in September or in the fall league. But um, it's those have been his only three relief appearances of the season. Yeah, I may, maybe just watching his innings total too. So we'll right. we'll, we'll have right. to see. I mean, the, the stuff would work out of the bullpen, and they listen. The uh, you know Trevor Rosenthal was a really good starting pitching prospect in the minors, and then they you know we saw what he was able to to do at least initially out of the bullpen. So we'll see. All right, Mike. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to have a, a, a long discussion about whether or not uh, Jim will be uh, allowed back on the podcast. Um, We'll have to see, but thank you very much for for subbing uh, for for him while he is uh, on some well-deserved time off, and uh, we'll have to have you on again soon. It was my pleasure. Thank you. That'll do it for this week's edition for the Pipeline Podcast. Talk to you next time.